This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. State of Recruiting's Open Mic. I'm Mike Roach of Horns 247, and each week I'll be sitting down with a friend or colleague from the industry to talk about football and recruiting. This week's conversation is with DJ Mann of Cedar Hill High School. Coach Mann is the quarterback's coach and recruiting coordinator for the Longhorns, and he talks about his efforts to promote his kids during the pandemic, why he got into the business of helping with recruiting, and some of the best players he's ever seen in his time coaching and playing the game. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Cedar Hill Recruiting Coordinator, DJ Mann. All right, and now joining me on open mic, it is the quarterback coach at Cedar Hill High School. He also doubles as the recruiting coordinator, one of the best high school recruiting coordinators in the country. It is the great DJ Mann. Uh, coach Mann, thanks for joining me today. Uh, appreciate you for having me, man. Um, I don't know about great, but I'm, I'm surely trying to get there. Man, I, I tell you what, uh, you were one of the first coaches I ever connected with in the business and, and a guy that knows knows recruiting inside and out. And so I thought you'd be, um, you know, a good listen for our, for our guys here. First off, you know, how's the how's the quarantine going for you? How are you getting through? Man, it, it's been tough, you know, not not being able to, to see those kids and, you know, do my, my normal routine. Uh, you know, I have a, a eight-year-old at home and a 15-year-old and having to help them with their work and, you know, it's, it's a little bit more difficult than, than, than you might think, but just as, just as far as the recruiting stuff, man, it's, it's been somewhat a little tougher, you know, not being able to have those face-to-face meetings with, with those recruiting coordinators, those guys that, that come to the schools. Yeah, we're right in the prime time of it. I mean, typically in a normal world, this would be spring evaluation time. You'd have coaches lined up at, at your door um, all day. Uh, you know, how, how have things changed and how are schools kind of keeping in touch with you on that? Yeah, man, you know, we would be in our, our second week of spring ball and, you know, at Cedar Hill, we're going to get easily 100 coaches coming through the school. So I've still been able to, to contact a lot of coaches and, and talk to them, but I would bet that, you know, I'm missing, you know, 50 to, you know, 60 coaches that, that I would normally be able to talk to, man. So it's just been a lot of, you know, me texting like I'd normally do, uh, doing a lot more recruiting on Twitter. I actually, for the first time, did a, uh, a Zoom recruiting meeting where I sat down on Zoom with the college coach and, and we watched kids film. So that, that was pretty cool. But, you know, I, I, we have a, at Cedar Hill, you know, we don't play a lot of juniors on varsity. Um, mm-hmm. So, we, you know, we play a true JV. So a lot of my, my juniors that would be getting offers right now aren't able to get those offers because those college coaches aren't able to, you know, come to spring ball and, and, and see them work out. Yeah, I would think that's the biggest thing. So I've been trying to figure out if this quarantine has hurt or helped. And, and I think it's kind of been both. I've, I've, I'm interested in your take on this, but I've been surprised at how much activity colleges have, 
have had during this time. And I think that they're having to more blindly trust what they see on film rather than, than trust what they're seeing in person. Obviously there's going to be those kids who are hurt by uh, the schools, not being able to see them, you know, in person during the spring, the undiscovered kids. But um, do you think that maybe it's helped kids that were probably borderline before, but schools have just had to go ahead and, and, and make an offer for Yeah, it, it's hurt some kids, but it's also helped some kids that, that schools wanted to see if they were really, you know, six two, six three, and, and maybe it's a kid that's six one and a half, and and the school has to go ahead and offer them now to kind of get ahead of the curve. You've got a really talented group there at Cedar Hill, including the number one quarterback in the state of Texas, and Caden Salter is coming up on his decision as well. Um, you know, I, I know your role is usually, you know, you can sit down with those guys in the office and, and help them through everything they need them and their families through a decision has that just kind of turned into like a zoom or a phone call type of thing where you're you're in constant communication with those guys yeah you know it, we're, we're I tweet my or I see I send DMs to those kids often just trying to see you know who have they heard from um, one thing I'll do is I'll go check their Twitter followers that's pretty you know normally a good indication of the schools that are interested in them um, and then just you know texting parents and letting them know hey this is what's going on you might want to keep an eye on you know, if your kids have offers from certain schools and they're interested in them, you know, keep an eye on on if those schools are getting commits from somebody. You know, we just had a kid, uh, Charles Esters, committed to Texas Tech last week. He felt pretty comfortable with that staff. He uh, actually got a chance to go visit that staff. So, you know, that, that kind of worked out for him where he was able to get to them and, and see the campus before, um, you know, all the shutdown had happened. That's the same thing with Katie Salter. He was able to visit seven schools before the shutdown happened and, he's going to end up committing to one of the schools that he had a chance to go visit. So, um, you know, just trying to stay in contact with those kids, let them know that I'm, I'm here to help them. And, you know, that's been the main thing. Yeah. I, I feel like we've seen an increase of, you know, all over the state, pretty much all over the country of kids committing to schools that they never visited. Um, and it makes me wonder, you know, how those commitments are going to hold up post quarantine. Do you have any, uh, any opinions, any thoughts on that? I think, we're going to have the, the largest amount of decommits uh, that, that we've seen in a long time because, you know, eventually kids are going to get out. Well, you know, hopefully kids are going to be able to get out and, and visit other schools. And I think a lot of schools right now, um, and then more so on the, the mid-major level, are, are committing to schools trying to, you know, hold a spot, you know, trying to make sure they save a spot. And, you know, you're seeing more kids commit to schools that, hadn't seen the campus there's there's college coaches are calling me right now saying hey we got kids trying to commit not necessarily my kids but you know we have kids trying to commit that that have never been in this city and you know some college coaches will take them but you know more of your your power five schools aren't necessarily going to take many kids that had been on campus you know because they have a, a broader spectrum of kids that they can recruit from so I think you know once kids are able to to College coaches are able to see more kids uh, live and, and in person and offer, you know, bigger schools are able to offer some kids. I think we're going to see a lot of kids decommit. Um, here's a question I've, I've, I think our listeners will be interested in because they, they know that one of my favorite subjects is railing on Texas recruiting in Dallas. And uh, you're a Dallas guy now. You're originally – well, and this is why I'm asking you. You're, you've been all over this state. Originally from Lubbock, you've coached in East Texas, you've coached in Dallas. When I met you, you were coaching in Crosby. You've been to just about every corner of the state. Um, 
what are the what are the different dynamics that you've seen in Dallas as far as when it comes to high school recruiting that makes it kind of a different environment than recruiting the rest of the state? Um, one thing I noticed about Dallas is, and this is even with, with some of your out-of-state schools, is people put guys in Dallas that a lot of them are from Dallas. You know, most a lot of people put their top dogs in Dallas. You know, some will send some of their top dogs to Houston, but you start thinking about, when, when you're certain schools and you have to come to Dallas and you have to compete against a guy like Joey McGuire or, you know, when A&M had Linquist, you know, Linquist is a Dallas guy. Joey McGuire is a big time Dallas guy. And I think that's something that's going to help Texas in the long run by putting Jay up here. You know, he can, he, he, he's got a good relationship with some of the trainers. He's got a good relationship with some of the coaches. So, you know, you, it, you have to be very strategic with, in my opinion, you know, I'm not a college coach with, with the type of guys that you put, in the Dallas area, you know, you can't just say, well, this coach is my buddy, so I'm going to put him in Dallas and hope it, and hope it works out because, it, you know, it'll get you beat. There, there's so much talent out here, especially on that I-20, you know, corridor that if you don't have the right guy recruiting the area, uh, it's trouble. And, you know, we're to a point nowadays that, you know, with Twitter and Texas A&M being in the SEC, you can't just, you know, you're not going to beat schools because of the logo on your shirt. You have to actually be able to establish relationships, and, and and that's just a big part of recruiting right now. You brought up Jay Valai. He's been, you know, you, you guys got kind of got to meet him during January when he came through the area after being hired. I, I'm sure you had probably dealt with him at some point before when in one of his other coaching stops. But, um, you know, what was – you know, we get – every time I talk to a kid, it's just like the energy is is one of the biggest things that they talk about with Jay. What was your impression of him just coming across as, as far as a guy that's going to be recruiting your area? What was that first impression like of him? Um, it, it was a good impression. You know, he, he brings a, a, a confident vibe, but it's not a – he doesn't bring the vibe that he's arrogant because he's at Texas. You know, he's arrogant because he's at a, a big-time Big 12 school, which, which helps. You know, you don't, you don't want a college coach to come in and, you know, just kick his feet up and, and relax and not want to talk about kids and stuff and, you know, just kind of hang out and feel like, hey, I'm Texas. Everybody's going to be happy because I'm here. But, you know, he came in and, and you know, kind of explained his, his thought process on the recruiting thing and, and how he's going to go about it. And, you know, he, he took the time. He wasn't just a – you know, come in for 10 minutes. Hey, how you doing? I'm at Texas. This is who I am. Send me your top kids and bounce. He sat down and, you know, talked to Coach Lynn, talked to me, talked to a few of our other coaches and, you know, even, you know, said, hey, I'll, I'll talk some ball with you, which which was a good thing. So, you know, I, I he, he made a, a pretty good impression on me. I think he's going to do a good job for Texas. I think he made an impression on a couple other guys on your staff as well. I was at a uh, we were at that clinic in uh, in February, the NTFCA clinic, I believe, out at the ballpark. Yeah. And you know, Jay, you were upstairs listening to Coach Urich do his uh, his offensive presentation. Jay was downstairs doing a defensive presentation, and I saw a couple Cedar Hill coaches uh, come up up to him afterwards. You know, just kind of blown away with um, with with his presentation. What was the feedback from the other guys on your staff on him? You know, every, everybody uh, spoke highly of him, and that's a big thing, man. You know, a lot of guys get the reputation of being a – just being hired because they're a good recruiter, you know. And that that's something that's cool for me is is he actually knows football. You know, he did a great job in his presentation talking about the actual game of football and, and how he's going to relay his message of his training to, you know, the defensive backs at the University of Texas. So, 
to me, that was just good to hear that he's not just the guy being hired as a recruiter and, and can't actually coach ball. And I think in the long run, that's going to be something that, that helps him out and helps the University of Texas. Um, what do you think is the biggest you, – you, you deal with a lot of recruiting. You know, you deal with parents, you deal with kids, coaches, all sorts of things. What do you think is the biggest misconception that fans have about recruiting? The biggest misconception that fans have about recruiting, I think it is uh, everybody loves their school because it's a big time school, you know, and let's just take the state of Texas. You know, I, I personally wish that all the top players, you know, stayed in state, but I think there's a misconception that all the top players are in Texas are being recruited hard by the schools in Texas. And, you know, some, some kids just want to get away from, from, you know, different situations. And, and, you know, some, some kids have, you know, different schools in mind that they might have liked. You know, Texas, I grew up loving Texas. You know, Jerry Gray is, is my idol. He was my babysitter. And, you know, I'm in the same class as Vince Young, and I got to watch them. But, you know, the, the schools in Texas hadn't had the large amounts of success as you know, such as the LSUs right now and the Ohio States and, you know, the Florida States and schools of that nature. So I, I do think, you know, once, you know, I, I believe that, you know, the, the schools in Texas are going to start winning again. I, I think that, you know, what the fans think that, you know, these schools, these kids are in Texas, they should want to go to Texas. I think that's going to come true again, or I hope it does. Right. What do you think is the biggest, uh, I mean, I'm not, you don't need to name names or, or point out any specific instances, but what's the biggest or some common mistakes you, you think college coaches make uh, when they're out there recruiting? Um, I think some college coaches have a tendency to get arrogant when they're recruiting. Um, some college coaches feel like, hey, just because I'm at a certain school, you know, kids are going to be willing to, to come there. Um, I think a lot of college coaches overlook certain kids and, and, and they already have in their mind at an early age that, you know, this kid's a sophomore, we're going to get them now. You know, it, it hurts a place like Cedar Hill where I may have a kid that, you know, is going to play a little varsity as a junior and play a lot of varsity as a senior where they're going to get overlooked. Um, so, but the big thing is just, you know, college coaches, <laughs> truthfully, they will only contact, you know, most recruiting coordinators when they need something. And, and, you know, I'm in a group with a lot of recruiting coordinators, some of the best recruiting coordinators, you know, from Duncanville, from Lancaster, from Spring High School, from, from Cedar Park High School, uh, you know, Coach O, I'm, I'm in a group, and, and that's the conversation we had the other day is, you know, why does it seem, you know, some college coaches only will contact you when you need something. You know, for example, I had a college coach, uh, you know, we got a kid that's transferring from a Division One school that's already there. And I had a college coach call me and says, you know, I only call you when I need something. <laughs> and and in, in my head, I'm like, you know, why would you, you know, he said, you know, I must really need something if I'm calling you. You know, why would you take the time to say something like that? Because that, to me, that that puts a bad taste in my mouth. And that's just all we want is. You know, I'm not saying we have to be everyday friends and buddy-buddy and, and all that, but, you know, the respect level has to go both ways between the college coaches and the recruiting coordinators. And I understand that they're busy. I understand that, you know, like I spoke about, you know, they're going to take the kids that, that they need to feed their family. But, 
you know, kind of let it be a, a back and forth thing and not just a, well, I'm here, I'm arrogant. So you need to take care of me when I ask you to. Yeah. I think that there's some parallels there with uh, not only the college coaches, but the media. And I want to get into that. Um, you guys have been, or you've always been really friendly to the media. I think every, just about every recruiting guy in the state of Texas can say, we feel welcome at Cedar Hill anytime we come by. Is that just because, I mean, is that a thing of being like, I, you know, we understand the media can help us? Is it just, hey, I'm a friendly guy, so I'm pretty friendly to everybody? Um, you know, what do you see as the role of the media? Because I do think that there is a – there's a, I try to keep in contact with guys, even if Texas isn't necessarily recruiting their kids at the time. You never know, like in the next couple of years, Texas might be on a Cedar Hill kid. So, you know, you and I are always in contact. And mm -hmm. I, I almost treat college or high school visits like I'm recruiting my area. You know, I go just show my face around every every spring just so guys get to know me. But, you know, what, is you, what do you see as the role of media and how you guys help uh, you go, can use that to, to help your kids get exposure? Well, me and I'm just, you know me, I'm a recruiting junkie, you know, from years. Yeah. I don't just – I don't like to just talk about Cedar Hill kids, man. I like to talk about, you know, kids in West Texas, kids in Houston, kids in Austin. I just, you know, I may, I don't know if I may be one of the few guys that I just go around and like, you know, watch film and I'll talk to you and I'll talk to other guys and just say, hey, you know, what do you think about this kid? Or did you like that kid? Man, that kid's going to be pretty good. He's going to blow up. But, and I, I like to think that I'm a pretty nice guy, but I just, I just like, you know, having you guys around and, you know, truthfully, the, the media can help your kids recruiting and the media can hurt your kids recruiting. So, you know, why not take the time to, to get to know the media? And I know people have a love hate relationship with you guys saying, Oh, you know, you guys don't watch ball and some of you guys didn't play ball and this and that. But, you know, a lot of guys that, that I've talked to and that I have a good relationship with, you know, don't get paid a ton of money and you guys break y'all's back to go watch people play. And, and, you know, you're at every camp, you're, you're at every game when it's hot and when it's cold and believe it or not, you know, a lot of you media guys have the ear of college coaches. You know, a lot of you media guys communicate with college coaches and, and that's something that I don't think a lot of people realize that, you know, you guys can really help or hurt kids. So, you know, I have a, a ton of respect for what you guys do, man. If, if, you know, if, if it was ever possible, if I wasn't coaching and teaching, I'd be trying to do the same thing. Just because, <laughs> you know, I, I like helping kids. I like watching ball. And, you know, and I, I like the whole recruit process. Um, I guess that kind of was probably the answer to my next question. But I want to want to ask you anyways, what you, as far as I know, you don't get paid any extra to be a recruiting coordinator in high school. And uh, you spend a lot of hours on it and you deal with a lot of headaches from it. What made you? you know, kind of want to get into that, that lane and, and what makes you, what kind of drives you to keep doing it day after day? Yeah. So I'm going to throw that out there right now. Since you said it, I don't get a stipend for being a recruiting coordinator. I don't get any extra classes off. I'm a full-time special education teacher. Um, I coach quarterbacks and I coach a second sport. So uh, a lot of the recruiting stuff I do, you know, I have to do and my, I have to just find time to do it. Now coach Lynn is very graceful. He, 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 he gives me time. He gives me some space to be able to be a good recruit coordinator. Um, you know, my family understands that, hey, sometimes dad has to take a call and, and it may be a college coach and I may have to talk to him for time. But um, to me, this is kind of like my ministry. Um, this gives me an opportunity to, you know, help kids, you know, get out of the situation they're in or better the situation they're in. Um, 
signing day to me is is like my state championship. I take a lot of pride in signing day. I take a lot of pride in, you know, I want to sign the most kids and not only in, in, in Dallas, I want to sign the most kids in Texas. I want to sign the most kids in the nation. So I put a lot of, you know, heart, a lot of time, a lot of it, you know, there really is some blood, sweat and tears because I do have to deal with, you know, parents that, that don't think very highly of me. I do, you know, I do have to deal with people that, that, don't think that I'm putting a lot of work in because their kid might not got the scholarship that, that they deserve. And also I'm the recruiting coordinator for, for the entire Cedar Hill high school. So I'm the recruiting coordinator. I do all the NCAA stuff for basketball, football, soccer, oh, wow. baseball, tennis, every sport, you know, I'm uploading transcripts, sending transcripts for every sport. So I don't just do it for football, man. And, and it gets tough, but you know, at the end of the day, when I get to see a kid, get his first scholarship offer and, and he's got a tear coming down his eye or, or I get to see a kid sign that scholarship and, and his parents are just smiling from ear to ear, even though they might not have liked me at the time. Um, I, I get a rush for it and, and it's exciting to me. Shoot those parents my number because if they ever start to complain and I'll call them. I, I mean, because I, you know, going back to the media conversation, we understand how much work you guys are doing on the back end for kids because a lot of times that involves calling us and saying, hey, have you seen this kid? Have you seen this film? I mean, I can't, I can't tell you how many times you've just shot me film out of nowhere on a text or something. So pass those along to us and, and I'll let them know uh, how hard you're working for their kids for sure. Um, all right, let's do some some – fun stuff a couple things we've been doing on this show first of all have you been watching anything new any any good documentaries any good shows or, or what, what's getting you through the quarantine what's passing the time so the, this is, this is kind of embarrassing but i've been watching the wire like oh. i didn't watch it when it first came out because i didn't like we didn't have hbo at my house right <laughs> and i didn't i didn't have it in, when i was in college so i've been going through i'm on season five of the wire right now oh um Man, we may have to do a different show completely about what your thoughts on. Uh, that's one of my. It's one of my. It's a, It's my second favorite show ever. It falls right behind The Sopranos. Uh, be, best shows of all time. What are? I mean, just give me your. What are your 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 you know thirty thousand foot thoughts of the show so far? Man, it, it's awesome, and I actually know a guy. There's a there's a college coach. I won't say his name, but you know he he knows all that area and kind of knows some of those guys that the show was kind of based off of. So, you know, just kind of talking to him about the, the whole situation is pretty good. But, man, I, I love it. I'm all about, you know, shows like that, man. I'm, I'm in pretty deep. How much did season four hit you? Like being about the school system and the failures of the public school system and stuff like that? You know, that, that, that hit me a lot, man. And, and, and did, watching those teachers deal with those kids, you know, I've, I've not only have I I've worked in different parts of the state, but I was also, in my opinion, blessed to be able to work at a, at a low economic school, a school that, you know, in the, the hood, I guess you want to call it. So some of that stuff that's going on, I've seen it where they've talked about test scores. I've seen it where I actually, that school fired me and every other teacher on our day off because of test scores, <laughs> wow. you know, so um, I can relate to everything that's going on with, with those teachers in that school. Have you found a favorite character yet? Man, I was I was I was in on Stringer, man, until they until they laid him down. <laughs> I thought he was gonna make it through the whole show. Yeah, I'm an Omar guy. I think a lot of people are Omar guys. Yeah, uh, that that that's who I was gonna say. Hey, Omar, I, I, like I said, I'm, I don't know if he's gonna make it through it all, but I kind of hope he does. I don't like Marlo too much. 
Yeah, Slim Charles is another guy. I'm a big fan of Bodie as well. Um, so, yeah, I can't wait till you get finished. It's funny because uh, – do you know Ben, Ben Baby? He used to write for the Morning News? Yeah. Uh-huh. So Ben is up in Cincinnati now for ESPN covering the Bengals, and he just started watching The Wire for the first time. And he'll, like, call me. He called me in season three, and he's like, they killed Stringer? Yes. <laughs> I was like, yeah, dude. Uh, and so there will be some more moments. So you, you'll probably run into him as well, but, but you're almost through. Um, I did want to ask you, so you've got – obviously every coach is – you know, your goal is, I would assume, one day to be a, a head coach uh, at, at a high school. Um First of all, do you have any aspirations to maybe get into the college game um, and coach up there? If not, once you're a head coach, um, how much are you going to hand off the recruiting stuff or how much do you think you'll still dabble in it a little bit? Uh, my, my ultimate goal is to um, be a college coach on the Division One level. Um, if not be a you know actual college coach, to be an off-the-field position in recruiting. And I've, I've been working very hard. You know, I've been kind of throwing my name out there and letting guys know that, hey, you know, if, if you need somebody, I'm available. I'd love to do it. And I think I'm – I feel like I'm getting closer. I have been offered a couple, you know, position jobs at some smaller schools. But, you know, having two kids, is they're, they're kind of hard to take right now. I'm just trying to put myself in a, in a better position to be able to possibly take something like that in the near future. But uh, – I, I do have another goal of being a high school head coach. And I've always thought about that. I've always wondered, you know, with the recruiting, you know, I, I probably will try to pass it off to somebody because my, one of my whole things when I was at Crosby, when our recruiting got real big is I wanted to make things as easy on the head coach as possible. Right. You know, I wanted to make it to where coach Reardon didn't have to, to deal with a lot of college coaches because he was also the AD mm-hmm. and I knew we had a lot of stuff going on. So, but I'm always going to dabble in it a little bit. Um, you know, I'm always going to have my eye and have my hand on what's going on. And, and, and hopefully, you know, that's kind of what I'm doing right now. You know, any, any younger recruiting coordinators that are just getting started, you know, I get on Twitter and, and I try to help them as much as I can because that's what it's all about, you know, getting the, getting the next group of guys ready. Yeah, just passing it on for sure. Um, okay, last thing I want to talk about here is something we've been doing on the show with every guy we've had on. You've been all over the state. You've coached a lot of games. Who are some of the best players you've ever seen? Okay, well, I got a chance. Nikita Whitlock is was an absolute monster. And I'm going to try to give you somebody from every area that I've been in. I'll, I'll give you a couple guys. So Nikita Whitlock, I had a chance to coach at Wiley, was absolutely unstoppable. Um, when I was out in East Texas, I got a chance to coach against Pat Mahomes when he played defense and he was a sophomore that year. And he still, he had like two picks against us. This was crazy. But also another, um, White House guy was Trey Montoya. Yeah. He was signed with Oklahoma. He was absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, I hate what happened to him. You coached Tyra Rollison too, didn't you? At, no, at I got there. I got there after Tyra Rollison. Okay, but I got a chance to coach. And this uh, this guy, probably not many people knows, is a, a guy named Austin Walter. Who uh, he had the longest kick return in the short uh, XFL life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but a guy named Austin Walter, who was also very phenomenal. Um, man, a lot of guys that. Oh, uh, Rex Burkhead. Yeah, free show. Goat. He's my <laughs> he's my personal goat. Like Rex, personally Rex the best guy I've ever seen. Yeah, Rex Burke 
kid was was a phenom. Let me let me tell you my Rex Burkhead story. So I had a bunch of buddies who were really they got really into that Plano team, and I hated them because I hated the option. I hated the quarterback that wore a double did like a twenty number. I hated everything about Plano, and we went to go see Plano and Skyline at Mesquite Memorial Stadium in the playoffs. Do you remember yeah. this game? Mm-hmm. And I think Rex scored every way you could score in that game. But the biggest thing was, I mean, this was a skyline team that had dudes, like just athletes for days. He put a move on a punt return on some dudes and then ran straight by guys who had angles on him. And I was just like, all right, I'm sold. Like, this is my guy. And so till this day, Kyler was phenomenal. You know, there's, there's a, there's guys out there for sure. Jackson Smith and Jigba phenomenal. But to to this day, Rex Burkhead is my is my favorite of all time. Probably probably my favorite is is probably it might be Greg Ward. Yeah, yeah. Greg, Greg Ward did a lot of really special things. Never got to the state title. Uh, you know, ran into um, Heard a couple mm-hmm. times, but Greg Ward was was special. And when you were down in Crosby, you used to tell me a lot about Jalen Hurts when you were down in that area. Jalen, see, I think I was talking about Jalen Hurts before a lot of people. Way before you, the first, was. the first time I heard his name was from you. Because we we played him in seven on seven, and he would throw like back shoulder thirty yard bombs on us, and 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 do a lot of fun. We played him in seven on seven, and he gave me probably one of my most heartbreaking losses because they beat us in overtime in seven on seven. But uh, besides just him being a phenomenal football player, he was a phenomenal kid. He didn't like. I love the way he handled his recruiting. You know, he nobody ever knew what was going on. He he kind of committed to Alabama, snuck that in on people, and and people had no idea. But uh, you know, he was like an all-state powerlifter. He he'd do that on on a Friday, then he'd come out on a Saturday, and he he'd run the two hundred at a track meet. But yeah, Jalen was he was a bad bad man because he he beat North Shore one year, and I think he had he accounted for eight touchdowns maybe his junior year. <laughs> good good work. Uh, what other dudes? Let's see. Uh, did you have any other guys when you were down in that Crosby area? That I mean, yeah. obviously, you guys dabbled enough in Houston that there were probably some some guys that stuck out. Um, I mean, you guys had guys on your team. Manny Netherly, I, you know, I remember him in high school. Yeah. Taylor Taylor Perry is the is Taylor Aston Walter. He's coaching now. Taylor Perry, which may be a name that some people don't know, he ended up going to UTSA and 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 left after years, one of the most phenomenal players that I've ever been around. Willie Ivory at Sulphur Springs, went to North Texas, is one of the most phenomenal players uh, that I've been around. Um, of course, right now I get a chance to coach Caden Salter. That he, the, the sky's the limit for him. Um, you right made me now. a believer on him, I told you. <laughs> I, well, when we came into the season I went last year, I wasn't sure. And after the at the end of it, I'm calling you going, I think this kid might be the best kid in the state of Texas. So uh, that yeah. definitely came through. What about when you were playing in your playing days? Uh, anybody you ran into at Lubbock? Oh my god! Uh, really you know, when I was when I was coming up in West Texas, it was it was all about the running backs. So Shad Williams from Andrews, um, Cedric Benson from Midland Lee was a phenom, and then probably the best player I might have played against was a, a cat by the name of Eric Winston. But he wasn't lineman Eric Winston at that time; he was playing tight end. Um, David Thomas was in the area at that time. Um, Sneezy Beltran running back was a big time guy at that time. Um, so that, you know, we didn't, we, there was, that's when Midland Lee was winning all the state championships around when I was coming up. So it was, it was the Cedric Benson show. And he's my, probably my favorite running back of all time. 
Yeah, I can't imagine. I never got to see him in high school, but the you talk to the people who watched him play at Midland Lee, and it was just, you know, their their jaws will drop. It's like talking about any of the of the greats out there. He played uh, in three state championships, and he scored five touchdowns in each game. <laughs> so pretty good, pretty good. Um, I hate to bring this up, I really do. You guys look like you had it in hand last year in the playoffs against the eventual state finalist, Denton Geyer, and it has slipped away from you. How much of the post game was just, you know, how quickly did you guys get to put that behind you and start kind of focusing on, on next season? Or do you, was there a hangover or, or any of that? How did, you, oh, it, it how did your a, kids it, respond, I guess, is it, my question. I'll, I'll talk about the coaches. It took a long time, man. It, it hurt bad, you know, especially being on the offensive side of the ball and, knowing there's nothing you can do about it because we're, we, I think we touched the ball maybe two or three times from the middle of the third to the end of the game. And one of those times – was two drives, one, yeah. Yeah, one of those times we were down by nine, so I don't even know if I count that drive. Yeah. Um, but it, it hurt so bad that I, I didn't know if I want to coach anymore. You know, wow. I was like, do I, do I really want to do this? Is, is it worth it? Like losing, losing just kills me, man. I don't know. <laughs> losing, losing wears me out. Like I hate losing a lot more than I love winning. But after that loss, I was like, I don't, I, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And yeah. we had coaches that were like, I think I'm going to put in my resignation. Wow. You know, it was that bad, man. And, and like, I'll be honest, I still hadn't watched the whole game. Yeah. You know, I hadn't watched that whole game. I hadn't watched the whole game from, when we lost to Katie in the state championship in 08, you know, there's just a couple games that I, I cannot go back and watch. But, you know, being around a guy like Coach Lynn where he's like, you know, things are going to happen. We were on the – you know, Coach Harris, our defense coordinator, says it best. We were on the bad end of a miracle. Yeah. And, uh, you know, much respect to Walsh, man. He, he his, his exact words was, I'm not going to let Caden Salter beat me. And and he didn't, you know, he kept no. the ball away from us, and and they did a good job, and Eli came in and did a good job, and and Cobbs was a, you know, turned into to the Hulk running the ball. Yeah, two of the best games I saw last year were Cedar Hill and Geyer in both games. I mean, both those games came right down to the wire. One early in the season, the Cotton Bowl, one late in the season at AT and T. Um, you know, hopefully, it was so bad. I know because you and I. I it's rarely a time where I feel like I shouldn't go talk to man. Like how many times do I just walk up while you're in the middle of quarterback drills and just start having a conversation. But after that game, I remember, Oh, and I were staying on the sideline. I was like, we're going to let man go. On this. We'll call him in a couple of weeks, see how he is. Uh, but we're hoping you guys bounce back this year. You certainly got a lot of talent coming back over at the Hill and, you know, hopefully we get football on time, man, and, and get, get back into it. Maybe you guys are playing deep into December. Uh, this year but I appreciate you for coming on and joining me and uh, giving a little insight into the uh, the high school recruiting coordinator end of things man and uh, looking forward to getting out as soon when when this stuff clears up a little bit maybe come catching some seven on seven league play over at Cedar Hill if that happens yeah no doubt man I'm gonna give you a name you know I always give you that name I think I gave it to you before but Cedric Harden yeah yeah, yeah. is gonna be the top quarterback in the state of Texas for the class of 2023 yeah, you showed me him in the uh, in January when I came through, and I would undoubtedly agree from the little bit I saw. It would not surprise me if that happened. So, uh, Cedric Cardin, watch out for that. But, uh, Coach Mann, appreciate you for, for coming on, man, and, uh, you know, we'll talk to you again sometime. Man, God bless you. Thanks a ton. Thank you for listening to another episode of the State of Recruiting's Open Mic. As a reminder, you can find the show on any major po- podcast platform. 
Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else you can get your podcasts. We would also like to ask that you go to any of those podcast platforms and subscribe, rate, and review our podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.